morning, everyone. I invite you to stand and face the font as we begin worship together today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Let us confess our sins. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart, we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been, help us to amend what we are, and direct what we shall be, that we may do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen. Dear friends, in the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives us all of our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Almighty God, gracious Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit renews the church in every age. Pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your word. Protect and comfort them in times of trial. Defend them against all enemies of the gospel and bestow on the church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Word of God, word of life. Let us read the Psalm responsibly, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be moved, and though the water mountains shake in the depths of the sea, though its waters rage and foam, and though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a there river, is a river whose, whose streams, streams make glad the city of God, God the, the holy, holy habitation of the, of the Most, Most High. High. God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be shaken, God shall help it at the break of dawn. The nations rage and the kingdoms shake. God speaks and the earth melts away. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come now, regard the works of the Lord. What What desolations desolations God God has brought brought upon the earth. earth. Behold the one who makes war to cease in all the world, who breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the shields with fire. Be Be still still then, and know know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. The second reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 3, verses 19 to 28. 
Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By that of works? No, but by law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. Word of God, word of life. Thanks, Thanks be to God. This is the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you'll be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household, but the son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Few people take note of what's in Terra Incognite, a peer-reviewed academic journal of cartography, until this past summer anyway, when an article by the Italian researcher Paolo Cesi got the attention of the Times of London, The Economist, and The New York Post, which is where I get all my cartography news from. Chesia's article was about an obscure history of the world written in the year 1340 by an Italian monk in the city of Genoa. That history was rather pedestrian, except for one shocking aside in it. This monk mentioned that there was a land west of Greenland that was filled with, quote, green trees, animals, and a great quantity of birds. This monk was talking about what we would call the Americas. And even though he didn't get everything quite right, he thought it was inhabited by giants, he still knew that it was there. So by the time Columbus discovered America, not only did the people who lived there know it was there, not only were there other Europeans who knew it was there, there were other Italians, including a guy in his hometown, who knew that it was there. Sometimes discoveries turn out just to be dramatic late arrivals. 
We often like to think that we can discover a new place, a new idea, a new experience where no one has been before. But when we show up, we realize it's already a full house. Maybe you've had that experience where you're at a party and you tell people about a new author, a new band, a new podcast that you just discovered. And these people give you a funny look and say, we know about that. Maybe it's not really new, you admit, but it's new to me, which isn't quite the same. The importance of discovery is deeply embedded in our story of the Lutheran Reformation. Most popular retellings of the Reformation go something like this. Luther was crushed by guilt over his inability to achieve his salvation. To use the language of today's reading from Romans, he was unable to achieve the righteousness of God. He could never meet the standard that God set. And then he had this moment of insight. He realized that the righteousness of God didn't mean the righteousness that belongs to God. It meant the righteousness given by God. Salvation isn't something you achieve by your own efforts. It's a gift that comes from outside of us. That's what sets the whole thing off. That's what's called in Luther scholarship the Reformation discovery. And you can already hear the refrain coming. We know about that. And sure enough, people did. Part of the reason that Luther felt so confident in his discovery was because he looked up what St. Augustine, the greatest theologian of all time, had to say. And it turns out St. Augustine had come to the same realization over a thousand years before. So the Reformation discovery actually wasn't new after all, but it was new to him. And when you're talking about discovering a new place or a new author or a new restaurant, that really doesn't count for much of anything. But when you're talking about the gospel, it makes all the difference in the world. Now, since 2018, we've used Reformation Day to take a little detour into this book called From Conflict to Communion. This is a joint Lutheran-Catholic document that was put out in 2017, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And it ends with five ecumenical imperatives to guide our work. And this year, we made it all the way up to number four. The fourth imperative, Lutherans and Catholics should jointly rediscover the power of the gospel for our time. In most contexts, rediscovery is an oxymoron. But when we talk about the gospel, it's okay. And more than that, it's imperative. It's at the heart of who we are as a people. So why do we need to rediscover the gospel? Well, today's gospel reading lays out the problem pretty well. In this story, Jesus tells a group of his followers that he will tell them the truth, and the truth will make them free. And you would expect this teaching to be enthusiastically accepted. Truth, freedom, love it, great. But no. The disciples reply, we are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. And as astute readers, you should all have alarm bells going off right about now. After all, the Israelites, descendants of Abraham, were enslaved in Egypt. But if you ignore that, then yes, sure. And there was the time they were sacked by the Babylonians and were deported from their homes, and they didn't have freedom then. But if you ignore that, then yeah, okay. And they are technically living under Roman occupation and don't have as much freedom as they want. But if you leave that part out, the story they tell themselves has turned into a myth. And myths don't come down from the sky fully formed. No one would ever believe them if they did. They start as little bits and pieces of information that seem reasonable and get embedded in our lives and take us to unreasonable places. There are all sorts of messages that fill our lives that give us a sense of meaning and worth and purpose or lack thereof. And they're so common that we just take them for granted. We've seen a very concrete example of that over the past month or so. 
the revelations about social media companies, Facebook in particular, how they've profited off of people's anxiety about their bodies and fear of multiracial democracy. They don't start out by showing you myths, but they get there bit by bit. Other people are getting something they don't deserve. You are not worthy of love. You are one of the insiders who really get it. And when you get acclimated to those different stories, those different narratives, you can end up an awfully long way from where you started without ever having to make a big jump. In fact, reading today's gospel, it's easy to imagine that the disciples' belief that they've always been free seems perfectly reasonable until you actually say it out loud. So we need to rediscover the gospel, not because God's grace is contingent or because we're in danger of losing it, but because we cover it up. We get sidetracked. We get distracted from what's really true and what's actually important. We mistake something being easy to see or easy to believe or just in front of our faces all the time for it actually being true. In the case of these Israelites, the stories of God's liberation have been covered up by their pride. In Luther's case, the gospel got crowded out because, irony of ironies, people were too focused on the church. And for many of us, the gospel gets crowded out because it just doesn't seem immediately useful. This is part of the reason why we gather for worship more than once. Because life keeps on happening, the messages keep on coming, the myths of consumerism and exceptionalism keep on making headway. And so God gathers us again and again and again. Not because we are in danger of losing God's grace, but because we need to hear what God says about us. We need to hear what God says about us to be fed at Christ's table and to be sent into the world with a resurrection point of view. Worship is about praising God and expressing gratitude, sure, technically, but it's also about creating space for God to work on us. It's about clearing away, pruning, to use St. John's image, some of those self-serving myths and stories and getting to the real heart of the truth. And Jesus, God, loves us so that we can love others. And already you can hear the refrain coming. We know about that. Of course we do. It's what St. Paul said, it's what Augustine said, it's what Luther said, it's what I try to say. We do the same thing every week, but it's always new. Not because the message is new, but the context is new. The assembly is new, the world we serve is new, your sense of who you are is new, and there's always something new to rediscover. In thesis number one of his famous 95 Theses, Luther put it this way, the entire Christian life is one of repentance. In other words, faith is dynamic. It isn't something you acquire once and then move on. It's not a degree that you get and stick up on the shelf or a passport you stick in the drawer until you need it. It's something God gives us again and again and again. It's never something we possess it's always something we rediscover. Because in Christ, God isn't simply God in theory or God in principle, but God for you today. And every time we gather around font, word, and table, God offers us acceptance, integrity, and recognition, and we rediscover who we really are. The entire Christian life is one of rediscovery. It isn't new but it's new to you. And that's really the whole point. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Let's join the church around the world as we confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please kneel or sit as you are able for the prayer of the day. Set free from sin and death and nourished by the word of truth, we join in prayer for all of God's creation. We pray for all who long for a word of truth and for the radical grace that flows from the cross. Inspire congregations to freely and boldly proclaim your love for all people with persistence and hope. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. We pray for your creation, for mountains, streams, cities, homesteads, and neighborhoods. Write in our hearts a new love and care for creation. Give us the will to curb wasteful habits and to hold accountable those who neglect the vulnerable. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. We pray for all who aspire to public office and for all who will vote on Tuesday at local polling places. Pour wisdom and understanding upon all who govern so that communities of peace may thrive. We pray especially this week for the people of Canada and the United States of America. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Healing one, we give you thanks for all who labor for the health of others. Comfort and strengthen all who struggle with chronic pain. Send healing and relief to all who are sick. At this time, if you have any names that you would like to add, do them aloud or in your heart. Hear us, O God. Your mercy, your mercy is, great. is great. Help us to be ever grateful. For wake from sleep this day to sip a glass of clean water, to share a moment with a friend, to feel the comfort of clean clothing, to form the words that make a prayer is gift enough for thanks. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. With thanksgiving, we remember those who have died. Keep us in communion with all the saints until we, at last, find our rest in you. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. We offer these prayers in the name of the one who makes glad the city of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And may the peace of the Lord be with you always and also also with with you. you.
Let us pray. God of all goodness and grace, receive the gifts we, we offer and grant, and grant that, that our whole life may give, may give you glory and praise. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection, Open to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. We praise you, holy God, our maker, our lover, our keeper, our covenant Lord, our redeemer, the strength of truth, for the universe beyond our knowing, for seas and forests and fields, for the waters of Wittenberg and the flowers in this place, for creatures seen and unseen, animals wild and tame, for our ancestors and godparents from around the globe, and for the places we humans call home, for cities, churches, and schools, seminaries, and missions, and fellowship halls. We praise you for your covenant people, for Moses, Miriam, and Aaron, for Jeremiah and the psalmists, and for centuries of faithful Christians, Mary Magdalene, Peter, and Paul, Luther, Melanchthon, Muhlenberg, and Fetty, Bach and Nikolai, Kierkegaard, and Bonhoeffer for all servants of the Reformation. And we praise you, O God, for Jesus Christ, who saves us from sin and evil, embodying forgiveness, granting us grace, and setting us free. Who on the night before he died, took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. We pray, O God, for your spirit, your breath, your fire, your wisdom, your law, your grace, and freedom. Bless this meal and those who share it. Inspire us for service continuing the reformation of your church. Renew the world with your mercy, healing justice and peace, with joy of life in your household. We praise you all, holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mighty fortress, victorious champion, powerful shield, today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen. And gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. 
This is the body of Christ given for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. You have united us with Christ and one another, and you have made us one with all your people in heaven and on earth. Now send us forth in the power of your Spirit, that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever. Of Christ our Savior. Amen.
invite the assembly to be seated. At this time, we open things up for any announcements, joys, concerns. Did anyone have anything you wanted to share with the congregation? No. It's fun to see some red today. Was it by accident or did you plan it? You knew it. Okay, good. Uh, just a few things. Uh, you should have gotten something about a meal train for Anne and Shay McGooligan in last week's email. They have a two-week-old newborn now. Anne McGooligan, I should have clarified, is Anne Keeler McGooligan. She changed her name when she got married, and so that's the same person. So just so you're aware of who that is. Next weekend is All Saints Sunday. If you have names of people you know who've died in the past year or people who've been baptized in the past year, you can send those to me by Wednesday to go in the service. Uh, please do that at your convenience by Wednesday. I will be away next Sunday. I need to be away so you'll have a lay-led service of the word so there won't be communion. Jody is going to read a pre-written reflection. Uh, and I'm looking, if someone could read, that would really be helpful so we could divide up some of the work. So I would appreciate that. Uh, if you need to work with a pastor while I'm away, you need commendation of the dying or something like that, Courtney Smith in Oakland, Messiah, is who you should call. You can call their office and get in touch with her. So you should be in good hands. Maybe better hands. We'll see. Uh, okay, that's all I have. I invite you to stand for the blessing. Lord, we have broken your bread and received your life. By the power of your Spirit, keep us always in your love through Christ our Lord. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Go in peace. Rediscover God's grace. Thanks be to God.